0: choir sounded great tonight. <laughs> When I
1: of our praise, yes, amen, absolutely, amen, praise the Lord, oh yes, amen, I think we ought to give praise to the Lord for all that he does, Raymond, <laughs> Yes. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I do, I really do believe we ought to express our praise to the Lord and let folk know how glad we are to be saved. Praise in the Bible, as I've said before, is always visible and it is always vocal. And we ought to praise the Lord. Are you glad to be saved? Amen. He specializes in changing lives and this room is full of that long parade of miracles. And I'm one of them. Amen. Just a couple of things I want you to be praying for before uh, the Maxwell comes. And just a couple of things I want to mention. I want to be praying, of course, for the King family. Pam's funeral will be tomorrow at 11 o'clock at Chattanooga East Chapel. And then I want you to put Juanita Warnick on your prayer list. Juanita is not doing well. And unless the Lord intervenes, Juanita I will be going home to be with the Lord soon. So let's remember the Warnick family. Be praying for them. And then let me just make mention of the fact Not this coming Wednesday night, but Wednesday week, our choir is going to be singing at the Southwide Baptist Fellowship. And I think this is a great opportunity for our choir, and it's going to be quite different for the Southwide Baptist Fellowship. Choir, I want you to go in there wide open. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Uh, they're bringing in different choirs uh, coming in. And of course, Brother Ralph Sexton's moderator this year. And a uh, choir from uh, Mount Air, North Carolina, be there on Monday night. And then a uh, choir from Hurricane West Virginia on Tuesday night. And then our folks will be there on Wednesday night. And I want to say to the choir, I want you to go in there and sing from your heart. I don't care where you are, I don't want you to be intimidated. You have no reason to be intimidated. You're serving the Lord. And you sing praises to him no matter where you are. And if they sit out there and look at you like hoot owls in a tree, you just enjoy yourself. Amen? Amen. Have a good time in the Lord. I am very, very thrilled about your going. The only thing Brother Ralph Calvin asked me if they would come is we're leaving Lord willing Wednesday to go on our vacation. And we're going to be gone for 12 days. And uh, I said, couldn't just change it around. I'd give anything in the world to be there and uh, I tell you what I'd probably do It'd scare them to death But I'd probably jump up and run one in the building That's my choir, amen that yeah. would wake them up But uh, I'll assure you that our thoughts are going to be with you And I'm excited for you And I would give anything to be there that night But I'm proud of our choir Haven't they done a great job this week in the conference yeah. Brother Rick, musicians yeah. I praise the Lord for them but what we're going to be doing that night, not this Wednesday night, but the next Wednesday night, October 3rd, I believe it is, we will be dismissing our Wednesday night service here and taking it to the Southwide Baptist Fellowship. And uh, Brother Joe, uh, Joe Arthur will be preaching that night. And so uh, he's our kind, so don't worry about that. If the choir don't scare me to death, Joe will. Amen. But uh, you'll like it that night. But uh, we'll be dismissing the services taken over there that Wednesday night, so you want to keep that in mind. It has been a delight and been a joy to have uh, Victor Maxwell with. Us. It's been a delight to have Miss Maxwell with us this week, and we haven't given her a lot of attention, but she is here and also their daughter Heather and their granddaughter Lauren. Would you, where are you folks at? Would you stand and let's show our appreciation to Miss Maxwell and Heather back here. There they are. Let's thank them for coming. has been a joy to have you. Ms. Maxwell is the best cook in Northern Ireland. She is. I love the country of Northern Ireland. I love the churches of Northern Ireland. I love the preachers there. The Lord, for some strange reason, in His will, has, has allowed me to get to know many of them and meet them. And it has been a blessing to know them and to be in the churches. And looking forward to going back later on next year and being in several more of the churches there but I love Victor Maxwell, and I first became acquainted with him through one of his books, uh, The Authentic Servant, the book of Mark. And then I learned that he was preaching in the South Carolina area. He was in for, uh, for a month, and so I asked the pastor there to send me a tape. I wanted to hear it. And uh, then I called and found out, met his son-in-law, was in a meeting. His son-in-law, Tom Knudsen, came to the meeting. And I found out that he was uh, Victor Maxwell's son-in-law, and I said, the next time your father-in-law's in the States, tell him, I want a Sunday. And uh, that was my privilege of getting to meet him, and I thank the Lord for it. What a blessing. He has been to us this week, and I told him this morning, the passage that he preached from is a tremendous passage, one of the great passages of the Bible. But I don't think I've ever heard a better sermon from that passage than what we heard this morning. Amen. What a precious servant of the Lord. Let's... Welcome, Brother Maxwell, one more time to our services today. Thank, you. thank you very
2: much. Yes, again, Brother Ken, thank you very much for the very kind welcome. Returning here for this last service of our visit here to uh, Chattanooga and especially here to Temple Baptist Church. It's been a joy. I wish I could take not only a lot of you folk but part of your church with us back to Northern Ireland, and uh, I said to someone before the service, I'm just so sorry that there's so much distance uh, between us in Banbridge and you folk here at Chattanooga. It's a joy to be with you, and our brother Ronnie, I really did enjoy that that solo. You sang it last year when I was here, I went home and told my wife, I requested that Ronnie sing it this year again, and it touched me more this year than it did last year, and we thank God that the Lord came to us. Uh, You were giving testimony, brother, I thank God, that next month it will be 46 years since I trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And it reminds me of the story of the Irish man, whose wife was ill, and he went and he sat at her bedside, and then he thought, maybe I could do something for her. And he remembered that she liked a certain bread. And so it was, he went to the the little uh, shop and he bought a packet of yeast, and he came home and he got the flour and the water and the salt. And then he he didn't know how much yeast to put into the loaf, so he put it all in. Uh, And he baked it and kneaded it and then put it into the oven, and while it cooked, he went up and he sat at her bedside, holding her hand. And uh, very soon, the the smell of the baking bread was, uh, the aroma, the smell of it was all through the house. And she said, Johnny, are you baking my bread? And he says, I am. And just with that, there was a terrible bang. And uh, he ran downstairs and just shouted down to him, Johnny, can you not keep it in the oven? He said, keep it in the oven? I can't keep it in the kitchen. Eh? <laughs> May I say that's how it is with God's salvation. It's hard to keep it in. Eh? It's like chicken pox. You can have it, but you give it to others. It's contagious. And we thank God for what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Brother Ken, thank you for your friendship and fellowship and may I take a moment to uh, greet our friends from Brazil? I uh, say to them in Portuguese tonight: "Do matando uma Quando Brasil mencionado aí, aí que coração mesmo, Don't worry, we're not talking in tongues. They understand what we're saying about. <laughs> uh, and it's a joy to have these friends with us this evening. Uh, we're going to read from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter seven, if you will. Hebrews chapter 7, a great book. And we're reading at verse 24. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 24. Again, we'll be at the door to sign some books for those friends who didn't get their book signed, but we'll be glad to greet you there after the service this evening. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 24. But this man because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, saying he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh a son who is consecrated forevermore. And amen, God always blesses to us the reading of his sacred word i'm sure that it's the same here in the United States of America as indeed it is in the United Kingdom. That is that words are very much like the coinage we use that is that very soon some coins drop out of circulation. I remember as a boy, we have what we call in Ireland today a penny, but I remember the half penny and Just before my time, there was a farthing, which was a quarter of a penny. Those those coins have long since gone. So it is also with words, with our evolving uh, vocabulary, then many times there are words that sort of fall out of circulation and therefore lose their meaning and lose some of their potency. I say that this evening because I do see such a word in verse 26 of the a chapter we've been reading together, for it says this word, speaking of Jesus Christ, for such a high priest became us. The word that I underline this evening is just simply this word, became, or in the present tense, become. It's not a word that we use very much, and yet we substitute it by other words. For example, It is a word that you would use if you would go and put a coat on, and uh, your friend or your mother or the wife would look at that coat, and they would say, that coat becomes you. We don't use the word become. We would say, that that coat fits you perfectly. It's tailor-made just for you. I remember when I was a boy, we used to go to a shop that was known as Burton's, Burton's and Tailor's, and... And there you got measured for your suits. Uh, I mean, they measured your back, and they measured your trousers. And when you went to pick up that suit, that suit was made exactly for you. Nowadays, we go and we, what is it by? Well, I've got an increasing number. It used to be 42, and then to 44, and now it's 46, and at times 48. Uh, we buy the suits like that. But, but my friend, this word here, simply saying when speaking of Jesus Christ, this great high priest, Jesus Christ, becomes us. He suits us. He is perfectly fitted just for us. And I say that is true this evening, my friend, because the emptiness and void of the human heart can never ever be filled by anyone else other than Jesus Christ. I remember this truth came home to me many years ago in the land of Brazil. We had returned for another term of service, and we had a ton and a half of baggage. I mean, we had, we had 18 barrels, so I had, sec, had six uh, packing cases, and we had two airtight trunks. They were metal trunks. I bought them in London. And when we got to our little town in the Acre, a town called Tarawaka, which is our way at the end of Brazil, when we got to that little town, 3,000 miles up the Amazon, that airtight trunk, besides keeping our clothes from the sort of what we call in Brazil the mofada, the sort of mildew that would come on the clothes. Uh, That metal trunk also became very useful as a safe. We didn't have any banks in our town. But I ran a little hospital. I was the administrator of the hospital. So all the money of the hospital, we kept it in the metal trunk, under lock and key. Besides that, we were building a new church. God was blessing us. Many people were being converted. And so, as we got money together, there was no bank to keep the money in. So I kept it in that metal trunk under lock and key. My colleague, the doctor, he was home in furlough in Ireland. So what money he had left behind, I kept that in the trunk. I was also the treasurer of the mission. So any money that the mission had, you would think that this trunk was a treasure trove, I mean, it was bulging with money, not really bulging with money, but it had hospital money in it, it had church money in it, it had Tom's money in it, it had our money in it, it had mission money in it. And as it would happen, now I know this never happens in your house, but as it so happened one particular day in desperation to get some of that money, I came home looking for the key, and I couldn't find the key. I know it never happens in your house, but it does. I mean, it's a game in our house. I lose the keys, and Audrey tries to find them. eh? But on that particular day when I come home looking for the keys, I said to Audrey, Audrey, where are the keys? And as a wife would always say, helpfully, she said, they're where you left them. eh? (laughs) But they weren't where I left. And so it was we began to search high up, low down, and as we would say in Northern Ireland, We just about ate the house. I mean, we we went all over the house and we couldn't find the key, but we had lots of keys. I mean, we had long keys, short keys, flat keys, round keys. We, We got all of that bunch of keys, some 30 keys down, and we tried every key to go into the lock. Do you know something? No other key would do the lock. And so I resorted. There was only one thing for it, and that was to go and get a crowbar and a hammer, and then that... Uh, uh, humid heat out there, the perspiration now rolling off me. For over an hour I went to work on that metal, that steel trunk. I I levered it. I hammered it. I did everything for an hour. And I couldn't open the trunk. And then guess what happened? Audrey found the key. And when we found that key, we just put the key in and in one simple turn we opened the the trunk. Do, Do you know what I thought? Wouldn't it be wonderful if in our world, if only everybody could find the only key? You see, my friend, the only key that will fill the emptiness of the heart, the only key that will bring hope and forgiveness and peace to the troubled soul, is Jesus Christ Himself. Why? Because Jesus Christ becomes us. Wasn't it St. Augustine who said these words that our souls will never find rest until they rest in Thee? Why? Simply because, as we say in the words of the hymn, now none but Christ can satisfy. No other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy. Lord Jesus found in Thee. It's only to be found in Jesus Christ. We're living in a day, my friend, when our world is running madly after that sense of satisfaction. They're looking for something to fill the emptiness of their heart. They remind me of a a park, a stadium, to where I used to live as a boy. It's it's a greyhound stadium. You understand what a greyhound stadium is? Where, Where the greyhounds do the running. I had a friend who used to go there every Wednesday night. He spent all of his money gambling on the dogs, on the greyhounds, until he... He got a bit wise. I mean, he spent all of his money and walked home in the rain, and the dogs went home in taxis. (laughs) And he realized his life was going to the dogs. But it was at those greyhound races that he he saw something that was really true of life. Those dogs were in the hatches, and when they opened the hatches, out came the dogs, galloping after what they thought was a real hare. Two things about the hare, he discovered. First of all, what they chased after they never caught, and what they chased after was not real. My friend, may I just remind you that that is a picture of our world today. They're chasing after popularity, hoping, my friend, that that sense of importance, that sense of being popular, famous, will fill the emptiness of the human heart. Some are running after possessions and while they fill their pockets, my friend, a filled pocket will never fill the emptiness of the human heart. Alas, today, among our youth, too many are seeking satisfaction at the end of a needle, blocking out their minds with drugs, hoping, my friend, that indulgent in these things will fill the emptiness of the human heart. I say again, only Jesus Christ becomes you. He's the only key. He's the only one who suits you. I say again, you were not only made by God, you were made for God. And my friend, until you know Jesus Christ, then you will remain in that void and emptiness, hopeless, Christless in this present world. Now, when this writer said that Jesus Christ became us, in the context, that is, in the neighborhood of that little word, He gives to us certain reasons to justify his statement. Such a high priest becomes us, that is, Jesus Christ is, I would say tonight, exactly who we need. Why? Why it tells us in the previous verse. Because it says in verse 25, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. My friend, Jesus Christ is exactly who we need tonight because he's Savior. That's That's who we need tonight. I tell you this in the crisis through which we are going tonight in the United States of America. We thank God for the president, but my friend, you need more than a president. We need more than political leaders. What you need tonight is a Savior individually, personally, to know Him in your heart. He becomes you. And I tell you this, if we were to open up this pulpit, as indeed we've already heard tonight from some who've testified in this meeting, and we would ask them to come here and tell us what Jesus Christ means to them, I am sure that they could say, Jesus Christ was exactly who I needed because He was my Savior. Not not only here in this meeting, but my friend, this Bible, this New Testament is replete with people who discovered that. For example, we read in John chapter 3 of a man who was a very religious man. His name was Nicodemus. The Bible tells us, my friend, that he was a teacher in Israel. Therefore, my friend, we can understand that his mind was full of all of the history of the people of Israel. He knew all about the patriarchs and the prophets. He knew all about the priests. He knew all about the system of Israel. He was a man who knew not only all of the history, but he knew all of the ceremony of the temple. He was a man, my friend, who was completely orthodox, dedicated to his particular religion. Yet he came to Jesus with an empty heart and said to him, Master, no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Do you know something Jesus Christ Jesus Christ didn't answer his theological statement or his theological argument. Jesus Christ bypassed the argument and went to the problem of the man's heart and said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ realized what this man needed was not satisfaction to the the problems, to the arguments of the head, what this man needed was a new life in his heart. He needed to be born again. And the only way, my friend, through which you can receive that new life is by the born again, the new birth experience. And if we were to bring Nicodemus to this platform this evening, and ask him, Nicodemus, tell us, "What what is it that Jesus Christ means to you? I am sure he would say, Jesus Christ was exactly who I needed. My mind was full. I knew the history. I knew the ceremony. I was a teacher in Israel. But while my head was full, my heart was empty. Religion, religion cleaned up the outside of my life. But deep down in my heart, I needed a new life. I was dead in my sin. And if you go to John chapter 3, you will find that the key word of that chapter is the word life, life. He that believeth on him has everlasting life. And the chapter ends by saying, He that believeth on him has life, but he that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Oh, here was a religious man who discovered Jesus was everything he needed. Not only so, but down there in Jericho, there was a man whose name was Zacchaeus. The last time I was here, I think I spoke to you about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was not the religious man, but Zacchaeus was a very rich man. Understandably so, and the Bible tells us that he was the chief of publicans or the chief of taxpayers in the city of Jericho. Jericho was one of the most prosperous cities in Palestine at that particular time, and therefore being the tax collector, this man cleaned off the takings and he made himself abundantly rich. But do you know something the Bible tells us? that on a certain day he came running to Jesus Christ. When when I read those words that he came running to Jesus, I think to myself, my friend, he must have been running away from what he had because he needed something more. He didn't need something. He needed someone. He needed Jesus Christ. And if we were to bring Zacchaeus to this pulpit, perhaps we'd have to put a little box here for him to stand on. And that little man would stand up and say to us, I was a rich man. I was the richest man in our city. I had the best house in my city. I had position. I had power. My pockets were bulging. But my heart was empty. And I found that Jesus was exactly who I needed. My friend, this evening, that is why I say, in the mad rush for people to attain more and more materialism, there is only so much you can accumulate, but none of it can fill the heart. Aristotle nassis was a legend in his time. The richest man on the world, a magnate in the shipping world. And yet Aristotle nassis dying on his own island, said these words, Here I am, the richest man in the world, but I'm dying in misery. Not a sad thing, it is tonight. A religious man, Nicodemus, a rich man, Zacchaeus. The Bible reminds us of a young man who lived on the hills of Gadara. He, he had been put out of the city of Decapolis. Uh, society had tried to reform him, they, they put chains around him. But my friend, this young man could not conform to the norms of society, he broke the chains. He lived amongst the tombs. He ran naked. Many times he tried to commit suicide. He was possessed by a legion of demons. Alas, alas, I feel that that young man of Gadara is only a picture of our youth today, running blindly after pleasure, dominated by the God of this world. And yet if we were to bring that rejected man, rejected by society, to this pulpit this evening, he could tell us what Jesus did for him. He would say, Jesus was exactly who I needed. Amen. Society could not change me by their laws. They could not help me with their chains. I was deep down in the gutter of sin. I slept in the tombs. I made my bed in the caves. The devil filled my heart, tormented my mind. Until one day I met Jesus Christ. And thank God, he, he who still the tempest on the sea, Thank God, He's still the tempest of my heart. He put the devil out, and Jesus Christ came in. Listen, He put clothes on my back. He gave me a right mind. He gave me peace in my heart. He gave me His joy and a song in my soul. And I went back home to tell of the great things God had done for me. Don't you see tonight, my friend, religious men, rich men, rejected men, and women? My friend, tonight I tell you this for them, Jesus was exactly who they needed and Jesus is exactly who you need. But getting back to our little text, it reminds us that Jesus Christ becomes us not only because he is everything that we need for he is Savior. He is exactly who we need for he is Savior. But also if you look at verse 26, it tells us something more about Jesus Christ. It says, For such a high priest became us who was Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinner. When I read this verse, I find that Jesus Christ was everything that I am not. As a matter of fact, it teaches me here, Jesus Christ is everything that I need. You see, Jesus is holy. The Bible reminds us that I am like all of you. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Jesus Christ is completely on the file. No, no thought ever darkened the mind of Jesus Christ that ever soiled his soul. His tongue never uttered a blasphemy or a proofian word. His hand was ever put to a dishonest deed. His feet, my friend, never stood in the way of transgressors. He was absolutely pure, holy, unspotted by this world. Jesus, my friend, is everything that I am not. But thank God He's everything I need. That's That's why I say tonight He's not only exactly who I need, He is everything I need for He is sufficient. Why do I say that tonight? Well, if you read this word, it says, for such a high priest became us. You see that word priest? Of course, we in evangelical circles, ever since the Reformation, we have lost a lot of value of the word priest. My friend, we all need a priest but the priest we need is Jesus. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's very interesting, and our friends from Brazil are here tonight. They speak a Latin language, and if anybody else knows a Latin language, they will understand this. But uh, for us, anybody ever hear of the Pope called the Pontiff? Uh, I don't want you to follow after the Pope, and especially when I come from Northern Ireland, but uh, the, the word Pontiff... He gets that word from the Latin language for the word priest in Latin is just simply the word pontif. And it comes from the same root as the word bridge. And this is where our friends in Portuguese or Spanish will understand the word for bridge in Portuguese, in Latin language, is the word ponche. And that's what it's saying for such a bridge became us. That's what Jesus Christ did. My friend, He is the only one who can put one hand in heaven and say that He is God, a very God, God the Son. The other hand on earth and say that He is man, a very man. He is the Son of Man. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, yet on earth He is Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of Mary. God and man, and yet, thank God, tonight He bridges the gulf between Man and God, and says tonight, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by me. Only Jesus is sufficient. I remember when we lived here in the United States of America for two years, and you'll understand maybe that's why you got this accent. Uh, No, no. But we did live here in the United States, and during those few years, at the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, we used to go down to Florida, uh, down there to... uh, St. Petersburg. And and you know the girls were only about nine and ten at that particular time. We would go a drive around towards Tampa Bay, the beautiful Sunshine Skyway. And back in those days there was a beautiful bridge. It used to go right up into the sky and down the other side, down towards Sarasota. And We would go over that bridge and up we would go and down the other side. And the girls would say, Daddy, let's go back and go over it again. So we'd go back and back over it again the second time. Daddy, let's go over it. It was $2 a time to get over it. I mean, it was... <laughs> but some of you may remember a tragedy that happened to that bridge. A ship coming in in the dead of night. The captain out of his mind because he was blocked out by alcohol. That ship at full steam ahead, I think it was at 2 o'clock in the morning, hit into the main stairs that held that bridge in place. A car that was going up the bridge at that particular time with five passengers, my friend, they didn't make it because as that bridge began to buckle, the central portion of the bridge fell into the briny waters of Tampa Bay, and down went the car, and all five people lost their lives. The bridge was beautiful, but the structure, my friend, didn't stand. I want to say tonight, thank God we have a bridge. He is unmovable. He is unshakable. He is the blessed rock of ages, Jesus Christ. And thank God tonight, our bridge is everything we need. He is absolutely sufficient. Jesus Christ becomes us. He becomes us because He is Savior, exactly who I need. He becomes us because He is sufficient. He is everything I need. Let me finish by drawing your attention to verse 27. It says this word, Who needeth not daily? Or, if you like to put it there, He needeth not daily. As those high priests who offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once, when he offered up himself. My friend, Jesus Christ, thank God tonight is not only exactly why I need a Savior and everything I need in His sufficiency, He is the only one I need. For He is our surety. He is our sacrifice. We sang it tonight. Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin had left that crimson stain. Thank God tonight by His precious blood. He washed it white as snow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, what it is reminding us here, my friend, is that for 2,000 years, every day, day after day, the fire burned upon the altar of the center of worship for Israel. Sinner after sinner would come to that altar with their sacrifice, be it be it a dove, be it a lamb, be it a bullock. My friend, the blood was shed, that carcass was put upon the altar, and the fire burned in judgment, consuming that particular sacrifice. But it happened day after day after day. But this man, after that, he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever. Thank God tonight he has perfect at us. He's paid it all. We don't need to repeat that sacrifice. My friend Jesus paid it all if I had a bill at the local store and went down on a Monday and paid the $100 bill that I owed, they would give me a receipt marked "Ped and Fool. The man in the store would think that I was insane if I went back on Tuesday to pay the same bill again. And he would be sending for the men in white coats if I went back on Wednesday and paid it again. He would say that man came in on Monday and paid the bill the first time. My friend, I want to tell you this this evening. You can never add to what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. He paid it all. And on that cross of Calvary, when amidst the darkness he cried out, it is finished. He was crying, paid and full. Amen. Thank God tonight. There's nothing more to pay. Jesus paid it all. I don't know how it is here in the United States of America. I'm sure like me, you all love to receive letters. As missionaries in Brazil, we love to receive letters from home. But since I've come home, you know, we, we tend to get these envelopes that have got little windows on. You know what I mean? And it's not a letter. It's... I heard about a lady who got so many of those at the end of the month that when her baby was born, she just called him Bill. I don't know for why. <laughs> uh? Nobody ever likes to receive a bill. But I'll tell you what is worse than receiving an envelope that's got a window in it. It's when the writing inside is red. that ever happened to anybody? Does it happened here in the United States? And Terry has got a few of them. There you go. <laughs> I mean, if you don't pay your bill, the electric will be cut off or the telephone will be disconnected. It is a final demand. But let me ask you this. How many people has this ever happened to you? You've received one of those envelopes, the writing inside is red, and it's making a final demand for a bill that you know has already been paid. And you get onto the telephone and you say, Could I speak to the manager, please? And when they came, you would say quite indignantly, I got a final demand for a bill that I've already paid. And of course, out will come the apology. I say this this evening, my friend, because although the Lord has saved us, we've got the memory of our sin. And oftentimes Satan will come, that liar, that accuser that he is, and he will try to reap up and break up all of the past, all the remembrance of past sins, and accuse us, accuse us. Thank God tonight, when the yeah. devil makes a final demand, we point to the blood of Calvary, Amen. we point yeah. to the blessed Lamb of God, yeah. and we say tonight, Jesus, Jesus, pay it all. Yeah. All to Him we owe. Yeah. Right. That's why I say tonight, Jesus Christ becomes us. Don't you see this evening, my friend, that if you've got Jesus Christ, you've got everything. He's exactly who we need. He's everything that we need. He's the only one that we need. Our friends, excuse me, referring to them in Brazil, for I notice someone are interpreting, but in Brazil we've got a, a singer. His name is Luiz de Carvalho. And he sings a beautiful hymn that says, Quem tem Jesus tem tudo. Jesus nada. That just simply means he who has Christ has everything. But he who hasn't Jesus Christ has nothing. What about it tonight? Do you know him? Have you got him? My friend, tonight, he suits you. Jesus Christ is tailor made. Just for you. Amen.
1: Christina, you can slip out and begin to get ready for baptism. Share it. Help her there.